Hey, it's me. You're tuned in to the Paul Leslie Hour, episode number 11, and we're joined by a very interesting person. She's a singer in multiple genres, an actress. We're talking with Renee Olstead. Thank you so much for being our guest. Thank you for having me, Paul. It's a pleasure. All right. So, rooting for the Astros, huh? Yes, I am. I've I've sort of convinced myself that if I concentrate hard enough, it really helps. So, uh, <laughs> I definitely sit very close to the television and concentrate when they need me, for sure. And you're from Texas originally. I'm from Houston, yeah. So, I, I grew up going to Astros games uh, when, like, BGO and Bagwell were playing and you know, all those greats, and I'd sit in the Astrodome and eat my lemon chill, so this was kind of fun for me to, to watch them in the World Series. I hope they finally win it. They deserve it. So where in Texas are you from? I'm from Houston. From Houston? Yeah. What would you describe your your earlier years as being like there in Texas? Well, um, I was a kid. Um, I had uh, crazy red hair. I uh, used to sing in Opry Houses growing up, which is kind of where I got my start, uh, doing Opry Houses and singing competitions. So that was sort of like, you know, my, my introduction to music. Uh, and then from there, my, my taste sort of expanded, and I had all of these different interests, and I started discovering older music and, and different genres and, and all sorts of things. And I think that's sort of that journey brought me to where I am now. I'm, I'm a lot of different things. Um, and I, uh, I appreciate a lot of different artists. So tell us about some of that music that you heard, the stuff that you, you first loved. The stuff that I first loved. Well, I grew up in Texas, so there's definitely a lot of country music. Uh, I used to sing like Tammy Wynette and uh, Patsy Cline songs when I would perform at Opry Houses, so I've always sort of had a taste for older stuff. You know, Crystal Gale, like Loretta Lynn, like that sort of stuff. And then uh, as I got older, my taste expanded. I found Etta James, which was a, an introduction to a whole nother world. And uh, I feel like now I'm sort of like meeting in the middle where, you know, my southern heart is sort of fulfilled by uh, exploring a, a lot of, you know, music like w- Willie Nelson and stuff like that. Like songs like those speak to me on such a deep level. And uh, I'm getting ready to put out this new record, which I'm so excited about, where... Um, we're back on track with releasing music on a regular basis, which is great. So the idea is at this point, uh, we're going to try to release new music every month. Um, so there will be a couple singles leading up to the album. And then after that, we have a lot more material than we're going to be able to put on one album. Uh, also because we've been working on it for so long, which is so great. So we have this stockpile of new music to release and I'm really excited about it. Yeah, I'm just sort of, sort of making the music that speaks to all of me, if that makes sense. Hmm. Well, you know, I've had a couple of guests on this show that they've kind of brought the music of, like you mentioned, some of the jazz artists there, and Mm -hmm. the music of country, it's not as far apart as many people would maybe assume. No, I I believe both of those genres are so emotional, and that's one reason why I've had such a connection with them. I mean, you listen to a Billie Holiday record, and it rips your heart out, and like, you know, one of the things I always say is that I learn more about singing from Billie Holiday than, you know, any any other artist. You know, someone who can do vocal gymnastics, that's not what it's about. I, I listen to a Billie Holiday record, especially Lady in Satin is my favorite record of hers. And um, at that point, her voice is not its best. You know, let's, let's be honest. But that album, I have more of a connection with that album than in any of the others because she just 
emotes so perfectly. Like you feel like she's reenacting conversations. You feel like you're talking to a friend and it just, it perfectly captures like the emotion. And I think that so much of, of, you know, being a vocalist isn't just about what you can do, you know, you know, what kind of range you have. It's, it's the way that you're able to convey emotion and make people experience things that they've experienced before and connect with them in that very real way. I know it's probably hard to do. There's so many singers that you like, but if there's one singer that you could say that you are most like, who would you say that Ooh, is? Ooh, that I'm most like? Yeah, that you are most Ooh. like. Hmm. You know, there's uh, there's someone I just found on YouTube named Joshua Headley, who I adore, and uh, he just signed to Third Man, I think, and he's got this incredible voice, and it's just, it's so old school, and I feel like I'm listening to an old record. So given, you know, we look entirely different, you know, he's a dude, he's like covered in tattoos, and he plays the guitar, and, you know, I'm a, you know, a, a little female vocalist that's 5'2", <laughs> you know, <laughs> but uh, I think that some of the emotions that he's capturing, at least that's what I aspire to uh, to evoke. And I, I hope that I hit the mark because he sort of captures all of the, uh, it's a lot of the things that I like about like jazz vocalists, you know, like the, 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 the timber and the expression without overdoing it. That's one thing that like, you know, kind of pulls me away from pop music a lot is I think a lot of times people over sing. And I, I think it's sort of like, like a good jazz improvisation or solo, like, a lot of it is what you're doing between the notes. You know, it's it's not about overplaying. It's not about playing over someone else. It's about speaking to the music and what it needs and having um, sort of the right tone and the right timbre and laying out when you need to. And I think that that's something that he does really well. And I hope that I do uh, in my music is uh, sort of capture the emotion without overselling it, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does, actually. I wanted to ask you a little bit about this song, I've been listening to it. It's really, really just an incredible performance. And the song oh, is yay. Help Me Make It Through the Night by Chris Christopherson. I'm so glad you like it. Yes, I love that song. I've always loved that song. And, you know, I, I've been so lucky. Um, I know so many talented people out here. You know, my husband's a musician, too, so there's a whole world of other people that I may have never met that I've had access to. People like Greg Lease, who played on that song, uh, who's just played with, I mean, everybody from... Willie Nelson to Katie Lang to Stevie Nicks to I just he's a legend and uh, having him out to record and hearing the stuff that he came up with you know we were going through what he came up with and he'd do you know like three passes and each one of them would be so well thought out from like beginning to end and they'd be entirely different and they'd say something totally different every take that he had was a different statement and um, that's the sort of sense that like just really inspires me to make music you know it's it's seeing somebody who you know has been around forever making incredible music and still has great ideas and is still able to come up with three entirely different statements for each one of his takes. And I think he added a lot to the track and I've just been really fortunate. There's a lot of, a lot of great musicians I've come into contact and I have so much respect for them. It's definitely a big part of the song. I mean, yeah, sure. The vocalist is, you know, I, I hope that I, I, I do my own contribution to the track, but um, I do think that so much of it is surrounding yourself with people who really, you know, add new ideas and new thoughts and new moments, and it's it's been a real treat recording. So what's it like working musically with your husband? It's so awesome. I mean, I've got the, you know, 
the the best of both worlds. Like I I met my husband uh, when I was touring with Warner Brothers. Uh, he was my pianist, and uh, David Foster found him and put him with me. And he was like, "This is the guy you're not going to keep. He's not going to be you know on your tour for very long." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Great. Well, I guess I proved him wrong. <laughs> I married the guy, but." Tommy's really talented, and also his his passion is collecting, you know, vintage recording equipment and gear. So I have access to just a host of of beautiful ribbon mics and tape machines and preamps and all of the stuff that like, you know, it, it's hard to find a studio that can really capture a lot of the sounds that I love on records that I've listened to. And I've been fortunate enough to sort of stumble upon the perfect where I have access to it whenever I want. <laughs> Which is pretty awesome because we both have so much respect and reverence for those those old records. You know, you you put on an old record and it just sounds different. You know, like there's there's so much that we we haven't really been able to replicate. You know, people I think have done a really great job with like plugins and making things you know available to people who you know maybe aren't gear collectors or don't have the patience to deal with vintage gear <laughs> because uh, there are a lot of texts and problems and yeah, you know it's. It's it's definitely a um, something that requires constant maintenance, but it's uh, it really adds a lot. You know, you know when you're singing on a, a microphone that's the same kind that Elvis sang into, or you know a, a tape machine or a, a console that you know they mix Bohemian Rhapsody on or whatever. It's it's it adds something amazing, and you sort of like can imagine the ghosts of of some of these artists, or not ghosts, but you know like sort of that their spirit is in the room too. But it's it's a cool it's a cool thing. It's a lot of fun, and I would say that, you know, the only the only drawback is that, like, you know, we're both perfectionists, so sometimes it's like, okay, if I were going to a regular studio and I were paying for studio time, you know, I would record a track over the course of a week. You do a scratch, you do a demo, you have the players come in, then you sing over it, you know, for a day, and that would be, you know, okay, it's done, versus, you know, when we do have access to a studio all the time. It's sort of like, well, let's, let's try re-recording it. Let's, you know, let's have the drummer come back and, and retract the drums or, you know, let's, let's uh, do overdubs another day or whatever. And it, it just, the only th- thing is it does sort of stretch the timeline when you do want that perfect product and you have the opportunity to record it for as many times as you like. <laughs> but uh, I would say that's the only drawback. I, you know, I, I love making music and I love that I have, you know, access to, you know, a, a really great recording studio, and Tommy's incredibly talented and has great ideas and really gets my vision, which is awesome because sometimes I obviously come from a musical background, but I, you know, don't have as much of a, a background in theory and, you know, the sort of, you know, components of music that he does. So a lot of times he's able to help me communicate what I'm trying to get out, and um, and his ideas add a whole lot to it. So we have fun, and it's it's a beautiful thing, like, you know, making music with somebody you love. I mean, but it doesn't get better than that. Another song that you interpreted that I wanted to talk about, it's, I believe, the original, is the most famous instrumental song of all time. And your version Sleepwalk. has... Sleepwalk. Yeah, Sleepwalk. Yeah. By Santo and Johnny originally. And he was, Johnny Farina was a guest on this show. Quite, quite a guy. And um, I'm just very curious to know how the idea to do this reimagined Sleepwalk came about. Well, Sleepwalk is a song that I've always loved. And I, I've definitely heard the instrumental over and over ago, over and over again. But I, I stumbled upon the Betsy Bry version. Apparently when Santo and Johnny 
you know, were first writing the song, they came up with lyrics, but they decided to leave them out. And they felt that the song was stronger as an instrumental for whatever reason, especially like, I, I feel like as a guy, sometimes it's hard to capture like that sort of like dreamy voice, you know, while retaining your masculinity. Uh, I think it's, it's one of those songs that, uh, you know, I think sounds better with a female vocalist and uh, Betsy did an amazing version of it. And I wanted to, you know, kind of capture it. And I've, I've always, you know, always fallen in love with, you know, creating sort of a dreamscape and making the music video for that was, was awesome because I do have a background in television and film as well. So it was sort of the meeting of the two worlds for me. We recorded the song. I loved it. I had this, this visual in my head of what I was imagining when we were recording it. And I got a chance to make a music video for it and try to show everyone else what's inside my head. So from start to finish, I, you know, storyboarded it, directed it. I had a great DP. Uh, we had a, you know, a great lighting guy and we just drove up to uh, Madonna Inn and shot it. And I picked out all the props, you know, I, I did a lot of eBay hunting and, uh, yeah, it was uh, definitely sort of the meaning of the two worlds and being able to say, hey, like, okay, here's my shot list. This is what I want. And I mean, we, we had a very limited amount of time because it takes, you know, a, a good amount of time to get up to San Luis Obispo from Los Angeles. So uh, we did maybe one or two passes of each, you know, piece of coverage that you saw and the product came out great. Uh, and originally we shot it in color, but I, I put up a clip on Instagram and I put uh, the black and white filter on it and people responded so well that they loved the black and white. And so I, I called my DP and I was like, okay, you know, like I know you just finished color correcting, but I think we're going to throw this into black and white. I'm sorry. <laughs> so um, that that was a fun, a fun process for me as well. And uh, I've, I've always loved that song and I hope that I did it justice. Are you more alive at night or in the day? You know, it varies. I've, I've been staying up later uh, these days, but um, it's, it's either one or the other. Either I'm staying up till four in the morning or I'm going to bed at 10 and I'm up at six. You know, so it's, it's one or the other and it sort of depends on what my schedule is. You know, if I'm recording and we're doing a lot of night sessions, you know, it'll flip. But for instance, when I was on Secret Life, my call was, you know, 4.45 most days. So, you know, I was up before the sun and, you know, in the hair and makeup chair. So, it, it sort of varies, you know, based on what my, my schedule is. But uh, I guess I can do either. As you mentioned, this other side of you, the television and movie kind of world, all types of expression, what do you credit this desire to perform and to express yourself to? Um, well, I got started in the entertainment industry very young. I guess I would say that um, I like telling stories. And that's something that I think uh, translates in, in both worlds. And that's one reason why I respond so well to, you know, like a, a, a Willie Nelson song or a Lyle Lovett song or what I, I love songs where after the first verse, you are compelled to find out how the song ends. Like to me, there's something magical in that. And that sort of excitement that I get when I'm reading a book or listening to a song with a story or watching a great movie that I feel like, you know, examines a different perspective that I otherwise may not have imagined, you know, in songwriting, too, that's a lot of fun for me. For instance, I released a song a little while ago called She's Got Your Name. That was inspired by a radio interview. Come at this idea of, like, the other woman with a different perspective than I, I normally would have imagined, and it uh, it came out really cool. Uh, the, the radio interview that I listened to, uh, they were interviewing a woman who says that she, like, exclusively dates married men, which, you know, as a woman, most people are like, oh, she's a terrible person. You know, but then she she went further into the interview and uh, she's like, yeah, you know, it's always fun. You get to be the fun one. And they said, okay, well, what are the, the drawbacks? 
And then she started naming off all of these things that are, you know, and she was just sort of saying them, you know, sort of in a detached way. And it was, it was really sad. She's like, well, you know, like, no matter how much you love the person, you know, you're always going to spend the holidays by yourself. And it kind of went from there. And I was like, oh, my God, like, what if I wrote a song sort of from this perspective of like, hey, I fell in love with somebody I didn't know at the time. And now I'm I'm stuck here in love. But, you know, knowing that I'm always sort of the the last person on his list. And it was um, it was a lot of fun for me. And I, I like to sort of like tell a story and, you know, give a different perspective uh, to people, which I, I think is always eye-opening and as an artist I feel like I always want to learn more about music and more about life and more about other people's experiences and sort of look outside of myself if that makes sense yeah definitely how important is emotion to what you do oh it's everything I think that um I think it's absolutely everything yeah I think that an audience can can read pretty well whether or not it's authentic whether or not you uh, are saying something that they can connect with and and if you aren't you know like you can be very talented but it's it's stale and it's uninteresting and it's not engaging and uh, i think people can can detect that people can can tell what's authentic and what's not absolutely something that you're involved with a lot is social media and you're very active communicating with your fans on facebook on instagram on all these different social media outlets and I'm just curious if you could maybe tell us about some of the interactions that you've had that have surprised you. People can be very uh, open, and you can really touch people. It's it's definitely uh, an interesting time that we live in. What I will say is I, I'm getting better at using Facebook. Instagram, for a long time, has been sort of like my, my major mode of communication. I like the fact that I can take a picture of where I am or what I'm doing and tell people a little bit about it, you know, and versus like Facebook where I I feel like I get on and there's like, you know, all of these like messages and like, you know, like I don't go on very often. So when I find like there's a backlog of messages, I don't know where to start. And it's just like a a weird, weird thing for me. For some reason, Instagram is the one that I, I go to, but I am doing better about especially my Facebook page. Oh, and another thing, I'll tell you another reason why I don't like Facebook because I got a bunch of them taken down, but there were a lot of fake accounts for a while. And people would, would come up to me and say, I've been messaging you. And I'm like, you know, I have been checking and I haven't gotten any messages from you. And they're like, oh, no, we were communicating. I was like, okay, well, you were not communicating with me. <laughs> so now I, I'm, I'm getting everything verified. But there's definitely um, a strange world. I can tell you a weird interaction. There was uh, one girl who made a fan, not a fan account, an account posing as me. And then she was claiming that we were cousins and like promoting her music based on the fact that she was recommending it as me that her cousin's record. And I was like, I'm not related to this woman. <laughs> I've never seen her before. There's definitely like some oddballs out there, but um, but I'm uh, trying to connect with my fans as much as possible. I just did this, this sort of giveaway. I, I asked people, I was like, hey, if you want an autograph, I've, I just made up these like these mailers. I will write you a letter and I will send you an autograph. And that for me is like the most, sort of like authentic form of communication. I'm still a fan of snail mail. I like a good old-fashioned letter. So that for me has been fun, that people can just email their mailing address and I can send them out something. And especially if I've interacted with them before or see them post stuff before, I can thank them specifically for certain things that they've said or, you know, if they say that they're an artist, you know, maybe take 30 seconds and listen to a track of theirs and tell them, you know, what I think. And 
uh, that to me is awesome. But uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely overwhelming when you think about like the messaging and stuff on social media, because it's like, you know, there's, there's messages going to people who aren't me. There's messages going to old accounts that I can't access. You know, there's just a bunch of stuff. It gets sticky. I'm glad I found a way that I feel like I can communicate with my fans, which is, you know, going back and forth and like in the comments on Instagram or, uh, or sending an old fashioned letter, which I think is uh, kind of fun. What is the greatest compliment someone has given you? The greatest compliment someone has given me? Well, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I've, Elton John complimented my performance once after a show uh, that I did with him at, at, I think it was the Andre Agassi Grand Slam for Children. I believe that was the one that we were at. And he uh, complimented me afterwards. And that, of course, was just like earth shattering because it's Elton John, you know. So that, that probably would, uh, would, rank, would rank up there. What did you find him to be like? Uh, I had a very short interaction with him. It was right after uh, Soundcheck, actually. And it was pretty cool. I, I got to sit on his piano and sing uh, The Bitches Back, which was pretty cool. But afterwards, we sort of all got shuffled to like different locations and you know, different places to sign posters and, and different things like that. So uh, I had a limited interaction with him, but he was lovely. And I have so much respect for him you know, as a person, as an artist, yeah, and as a humanitarian. Do you ever get starstruck? I do. I do. I mean, definitely starstruck for Elton John. And then a lot of the people that I get starstruck over, well, they're, I mean, they're not like, I don't know, they're not like what you think of when you think of like conventional celebrities. Like, it's not like, I don't know, who's a, a big movie star uh, right now? Why am I totally drawing a blank? Like, I mean, Angel, Angelina Jolie, I probably actually would be starstruck over. Who else is like a big time actress right now? Um, Jennifer Lawrence. I'm, I'm, Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, I'm sure she's cool. I would be like totally down to hang out with her, but like I don't think I would be starstruck around Jennifer Lawrence. I think she would be cool. And you know, I, I whatever meeting someone like Dita Von Teese or like RuPaul, like those sort of people. Like for me, like I fangirl like crazy. You know, uh, I went to a luncheon a while ago and I was seated across from from Dita and talking to her and like trying to keep my words straight because I just felt like I was like a bumbling mess because. Yeah, she's just sort of otherworldly, if that makes sense. I almost, you know, I'm convinced she's not human just because everything is always so perfect. She's, But she is, and she's a wonderful human. She's super sweet and very nice. But I definitely had to try uh, to hold it together because I was afraid I would say something silly or embarrass myself. <laughs> well, is there anyone out there that, I'm sure there's got to be, someone out there that you would love to sing a duet with or you would love to work with? I, I mean, I was actually talking about this the other night. I would love to sing a duet with Willie Nelson <laughs> just because, you know, I, I've loved his music for as long as I have, you know, he, he's an incredible songwriter. He wrote, he wrote crazy for, you know, for goodness sake, you know, and I, I love his story of, you know, being a songwriter first because nobody thought he could be an artist and um, becoming just, you know, this groundbreaking artist, despite the fact that people initially didn't think that he had it in him which is so cool, and he just seems like a cool guy, so he's definitely on my list. I bet you if you could get a hold of Willie Nelson and sing for him, he would agree to sing a duet with you. That's my I gut. call him one day. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wanted to go back a little bit and talk a little bit about David Foster, who yes. produced your album, a past album of yours. What kind of influence has he had on you? What did he teach you? David uh, is an incredible guy. Well, first of all, he taught me how to drive. 
<laughs> wow. So he's a, he's a wonderful guy. He was a producer and, and definitely a father figure to me as well. I think he's incredibly talented. We had a lot of fun making the record, and he, he definitely took a chance on me. You know, I, I signed when I was 12 years old to Warner Brothers Records under him, and we put out two records together. Yeah, he... He he taught me a lot, little things, like I never record something you can't duplicate every night on the road, uh, which was an incredible, you know, lesson for me as an artist, because I feel like, you know, sometimes people have a tendency, especially if you're singing, like, more pop stuff or, or whatever, to vocally do something that, like, okay, I can do this if I take three or four runs at it, I can get it perfect. But the idea that, like, you would record that and not be able to execute it perfectly every night on the road, you know, it's just a... It's a bad choice. So I, I thought that was interesting. So making sure that everything on the album, you know, was something that was definitely within my range and uh, wasn't wasn't like well, there were a couple songs that were super laden with uh, with backup vocals like "Slow Boat to China." Like that was a, a song that was, you know, difficult to uh, to replicate on the road because it would require having so many backup singers. But with the exception of that, you know, making sure that we have, you know, an album that that is something that I can perform live, which is something that I. I love to do. But yeah, David was an incredible like force in my life. And I haven't talked to him in, in a long time. Actually, I, I ran into him on the red carpet at the People's Choice Awards a year or two ago. And I talked to him for a minute. We kind of caught up. But David was a wonderful, wonderful man. And he, uh, he produced the first two albums. So we had a lot of fun over, over those years. Everyone can visit your website. It's ReneeOlstedMusic.com. That's correct. There's links to everything on there from your Facebook, your Twitter, your Instagram. So tell us what's coming up in the the near future with Renee Olsted. The near future. Well, next month in November, you can expect another release from me. Um, And then uh, in December, I'm guessing we'll try to schedule somewhere around the holidays so that people can hear about it when they're not like consumed with present wrapping and uh, and gift buying. So we'll try to schedule that a little bit before. But and then our record uh, in the beginning of, of the new year. So yeah, I'm I'm really excited. We have a lot of music stockpile, which is great. So I can guarantee that there will be a lot of releases, uh, which is awesome. And it's, it's also nice knowing that I have that in my pocket versus, you know, being stressed about like deadlines or, or whatever. Yeah, I hope my fans really like the new releases. I think it definitely captures a lot of the stuff, you know, from before and then some other new stuff as well. And yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's going to be great. I really am proud of the tracks that we've finished. I, now I can just, you know, sit back and, and see what people think, but I, I've been really lucky and I have really amazing fans. Yeah. I, I feel like I would much rather have, you know, a thousand amazing fans than like, you know, be a pop star and have millions of fans that sort of care or whatever. My, my fans are wonderful and, the fact that they're always, you know, so responsive and uh, I get all of these nice emails now that I'm, you know, talking to people online and uh, sending them letters and stuff. And um, it's just, it's, it makes me really happy. My, my heart is really full right now and it's, it's really awesome to see people, you know, loving the stuff that you uh, are so proud of. It's like putting your baby out into the world. You're like, okay, do well, please, you know, I love you. And then, uh, <laughs> then you have to wait for the response, you know. So for all those people out there, whether they're your fans or people here who are hearing your music for the very first time, what would you say to the audience out there? Well, um, I would just say it's definitely not like a lot of the stuff that's on radio right now, so brace yourself for that. But I don't think that that's a bad thing. I do think that 
a lot of the stuff that's on the radio, you know, it, not talking about, you know, uh, radio stations that are playing sort of like classic music or, or you know, independent artists that are going sort of outside of the box. But like sometimes you know what to expect, you know, before the song's over, you know where it's going, you know where the chorus is going and like sort of creating a music that, you know, sounds a little different and brings out, I don't know, some of the stuff I think is really special that got lost over the decades, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. What is the best thing about being Renee Olsted? The best thing about being me? Yeah. Um. Well, there's a lot. I really like my life. I've got two wonderful rescue puppies, uh, so they're pretty cool. Um, <laughs> I've got access to a studio. I can record music that I love whenever I want, so that's pretty awesome, too. I have a, a wonderful husband, and I, I just I love my life. I'm, I'm a happy person, and I, I hope that... I don't know. I think that you put good things out into the universe and they come back to you. And I, um, you know, I, I do my best to try to be there for other people and show up and help people when I can and give advice to people who message me and say, Hey, like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a singer. I'm trying to start a career or, or I want to be an actress. You know, what do you recommend? And, you know, I can send them an email and say, Hey, like, you know, get some experience either at a drama club or, getting some acting lessons, don't overpay, get a manager. You do not pay for a manager or an agent. The idea is if they're trying to charge you, then chances are it might be a scam and all these other things. But you try to point people in the right direction and and help others. And I think that, like, I don't know, my experience, the the best people that I've met, you know, the the biggest stars, too, that I've met have always been helpful. Like, I, I think that people who are jerks or, you know, go out of their way to make other people feel inferior I just, I've never subscribed to that. And I, I just, I try to do my best to, um, to help others along, uh, along the way, especially other women, you know, you know, letting them know sort of like what my experience has been and like, you know, how they can, you know, get on the same path that I was on. And yeah, I just, I think that, um, you do stuff like that and you get sort of, I don't know what the word is blessed or rewarded or whatever, but I, you know, I've got a life that makes me really happy and I get to make music for a living. So, you know, you can't be mad at that, you know? Well, how would you define Renee Olstead? Who is Renee Olstead at heart? Uh, who is Renee Olstead at heart? Wow, we're we're going deep here. <laughs> we're going deep here, Paul. I don't know. I think I'm a I'm a regular girl that likes music. I'm an animal lover. I'm uh, a friend. Uh, I'm a, a a wife. I'm a daughter. I'm I don't know. I I'm a lot of things, but I'm someone who's in love with music, and I I've I've been really lucky so far to meet a lot of really wonderful people who helped me sort of bring my ideas and my thoughts to fruition. I just I would say I'm a creative person. You know, it's very difficult for me to sit still for too long. I have to be doing something or creating something. Well, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Paul. This was wonderful. Thank you for having me. It was an honor. Wonderful. Well, I hope you'll have me back when the record comes out. All right. We certainly will. And if anyone has any comments on the show, they can give us a call at 912-376-9529. And if you haven't subscribed, you can subscribe on iTunes. Give us a review and a rating if you can. And that was Renee Olsted, folks. ReneeOlstedMusic.com. Until next time. Thanks for having me, Paul. <laughs> the Paul Leslie Hour is hosted, produced, and written by Paul Leslie for Lifestyles Entertainment. 
For information, visit thepaulleslie.com. Thank you for being with us. Until next time.